And here we go. Live from the White Call Hard Seltzer Studios, it's overtime with William Patterson, Jace Brown, and Dawson Wise joining you on a Tuesday night. Thank you so much. Uh, 865-546-8200, your number if you want to hop in and join us this hour. Uh, later in the hour, we're talking about a crazy night in the NBA last night. Joel Embiid, Carl Anthony Towns, we'll dive into that. Also, the NBA trade deadline is inching closer. We'll take a deeper dive into that as well and also give you an update on the Milwaukee Bucks situation. Um, a, a surprise firing today. We'll dive into that and also talk about the Eagles moving on from Brian Johnson. But we begin with this, and we got Joshy Boy on the line. What's up, Joshy? What up, guys? How are you? Good. How are you guys doing? Doing well, man. Care if I give you my best bet for tonight? We would love it. Okay, this game starts really soon. I'm taking uh, the Denver Nuggets minus five and a half against the uh, Indiana Pacers. Okay. And uh, the final one, it's a small card for me tonight, but uh, we're rolling with uh, Houston minus two and a half at BYU. Oh, Joshy, 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 mm. Joshy. That's going against some mm-hmm. controversy. It's going against my one of my best bets well, in Dawson's. Well. I don't know. Uh-oh. <laughs> We're gonna have a, I guess we got a little friendly stake on this one as well. Um, yeah. Okay, so are those your two? Yep. Okay, so is uh, is Halliburton still out for the Pacers tonight too? Yeah, Halliburton is out. Okay. Not. Interesting spot. Okay, okay, and the Nuggets. You said the Nuggets. That's right. Okay. Oh, I like the Nuggets. Yeah, I like that. Are they on the road though? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's at Indiana. Okay. All right, well. Um, and no Halliburton definitely helps you out. And um, obviously the, the Nuggets play some really good basketball. So I like those two. I don't, well, actually, I like that one. I don't necessarily like that Houston one. Are you, are you trying to go against me? No, I, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't even know you were on BYU. No, nah, you're good. No, you're good. You're good. But uh, who is uh, the Pacers' second leading scorer if uh, Halliburton's not playing tonight? Well, Which see, well, Siakam uh, now comes into the mix, and and he's been playing yeah. for them. Um, I'd have to look at who their their third guy Maybe would be. Miles Turner, Miles or somebody Turner. like that. Yeah, Miles Turner. Uh, I don't I don't know what kind of numbers Buddy Hield's been putting up, um, if any. I know yeah. I know Hield and Toppin are, are being rumored to be in the the trade mill as of late. Um, I, don't, I don't know what Benedict Mathern's doing off the bench either. I, but um, I, I know Siakam's going to be their guy for for the time being. It's until Turner. Turner, okay, Turner, Turner is seventeen yeah. points per game. Okay, okay, um, yeah. Was, so, uh, was today the deadline for uh, the trade deadline? No, no, that's coming up on February eighth. Um, oh, okay. So you got about two weeks, but definitely, and we're about to dive into it here uh, in, a, in a little bit, but. Uh, a lot more trade rumors and trade possibilities are about to start heating up. Obviously, we saw the the Kyle Lowry trade to Charlotte uh, in exchange for uh, uh, Scary Terry, uh, Terry yep. Rozier earlier today. Um, but, yeah, it's it's definitely that time of year, Joshy. Yeah, it is. So, uh, I got a question for y'all. What would you guys rather have, okay, Tennessee – get into the national championship this year with Dalton Connect and company for Tennessee basketball or uh, Tennessee get into the 12-team playoff next year for football? I mean, there's an option for both of those to happen, is there <laughs> yeah. not? You know? yeah. um, all right, personally, it'd be 12-team playoff. Um, I, I know I love this basketball team. They've been so great. It'd be so fun to watch them. But the 12-team playoff and making the playoff 
and having a shot and an opportunity to play for a national title is not something that Tennessee has had in a long time and its rich history of its football program. Uh, so to me, it's playing for a, a, having the opportunity to play for a championship in football. It's so tough, though. I mean, because you, you asked me, well, do you want to get in for a chance to play for one or do you want to get into the game where you are playing yeah. for one? Yeah. Um, I think I'm with you. I think I lean football, man, just because of the, the last two decades, like my entire lifetime up until this point, the last couple of years pretty much. Uh, has has been like you know middle of the road losing seasons. You really haven't had a ton of success. You've never sniffed that playoff that that these teams have. So and especially now with the prospect of if you're in five through eight, you get a home game. Yeah. Can yeah. you imagine a playoff home game atmosphere, especially if it's the nightcap game oh at Elon Stadium? And it would be in a twelve yeah. team be. playoff, you get like an eight nine. Oh, match. Yeah. If you're playing a team like Ole Miss per se, yeah. can you imagine the atmosphere for that game? <laughs> I mean, so. I'm going to lean football, too, I think. I, You know, however much, uh, you know, I'm tired of hearing Kentucky fans be like, oh, no Final Fours, one Elite Eight. Uh, You know, that doesn't really matter to me. I mean, I I was definitely a football fan before I was a basketball fan, uh, and I'm probably going to die that way. I'm probably going to die on that hill of, you know, football is my thing, basketball, love it, but, man, it's we haven't seen the success uh, of, you know, Fat Phil at any point in our – lives i guess you would mm-hmm. say so i mean getting back to that just upper echelon of great football would just put me on another plane of existence good question joshy it would uh, have to be football for me too but basketball would be a close second yeah of yeah. Uh, getting to a national championship game i think the excitement of that run would be fun too um, just, oh, yeah. you know, every other weekend or I guess every weekend, mm-hmm. uh, knowing you have another chance to continue your story. I mean, that's basically like a three month champion or a three week championship in a yeah. sense. Like you got three weeks of riding that out. Um, now, obviously, they lost it. Right. You know, it kind of sucked. But I mean, I think that environment in Neyland, if you have the opportunity to play that home <sighs> game, rocking. Uh, oh, I mean, can you imagine oh, that, man? Hey, uh, oh, Danny White would love yeah. it because those tickets would be through the oh, roof. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, so, uh, this is kind of a two-part question, but, uh, what's your guys' thoughts on, uh, Todd Helton making the Hall of Fame today? And, uh, being a big Braves fan as I am, do you guys ever see Chipper Jones making the Hall of Fame? You guys have a good night. Thank you so much for the call, Joshy. Yeah, we just had uh, a talk with Roberto about about Todd Heldon as well, and I think it's huge, uh, not only for the SEC, as as, uh, Roberto alluded to, that only uh, Frank Thomas is the only other SEC player in in Cooperstown. Now you add a guy from Tennessee. I think it's really big, and I think it's big for the program as well with all the momentum it's had. And um, Chipper Jones is actually a guy I I grew up watching as well. Um, Back at home in Memphis, my dad was a a Braves Braves guy, and he uh, loved Chipper Jones, and I, I think he definitely deserves a, a spot in Cooperstown as well. I don't know when he's necessarily due to be inducted, um, but I, I, I think he deserves a, a spot. Yeah, I'm Braves guy myself, huge Braves guy, so obviously I'm a little bit biased, but yeah. I, I would agree naturally that, that Chipper Jones had a worthy career, and I'm with you. I don't know exactly when it's going to be. I know it's several years still, I think, till he's yeah. eligible to get in, but when he is eligible, it may take him a few tries like it took Todd Helton, but I think he certainly had a career worthy of getting in. Yeah, I don't think it'll take nearly as long as Todd Helton. No. You know, maybe like that third or fourth or year, and that's, that's pushing it. You know, I, I think his uh, – just effective or his effects on the game 
uh, outweigh some others that are on that list. Uh, but yeah, Todd Helton, I mean, Roberto brought it up, or William actually brought it up, hit 316 for a career. It's absolutely mind blowing for anybody to hit that uh, any day and age. So, uh, about time that he got in there. So, uh, great representing a program that's on the up and up. I mean, that <laughs> I'm really excited to see that new uh, ball field stadium yeah. uh, that, that they're getting together and hopefully finishing soon because, I mean, the the season starts in like less than four weeks. Yeah, so, crazy, yeah. crazy stuff. Well, thank you for the call, Joshie. Now let's get into uh, the NBA where last night, man, was that special. Um, you had Joel Embiid and Carl Anthony Towns having a night on the 18th anniversary of Kobe Bryant's 81-point performance Joel Embiid and Carl Anthony Towns put together two of the highest scoring performances in NBA history Embiid finished with 70 points 18 rebounds and five assists against the San Antonio Spurs the most points ever scored against that franchise um, the Towns uh, Carl Anthony Towns finished with 62 eight rebounds against the Hornets so they lost the game though which we're going to dive into here in a second but um, Joel Embiid what a performance it was for him. Has he now taken the clear advantage in the MVP race with this performance? He's the clear favorite now. He's on a few straight 40-point games since coming back from a knee injury. It's a historic performance last night that just caps off a run from him. Uh, he's got by far the best stats in the NBA among the, the MVP favorites. Uh, he, I think, above any other player in the NBA, you know, maybe besides Nikola Jokic, but even I think beyond him now, makes his team better. Uh, the Sixers with him 26 and 6 without 3 and 7. So I think that yeah. pretty much speaks for itself. You've won 26 of your 29 wins or with Joel Embiid on the floor. So I think that says a lot as well. I personally had Jokic going back to back and winning the MVP again this year. Uh, now, though, I worried about Embiid and how healthy he was going to be able to stay. He's had an injury, but for the most part, has played a very consistent season so far. Um, the production for me lacks for Jokic in the playmaking department now this season. Last season, I think we saw him be a lot more dominant, able to open up plays for his teammates. This year, teams are stopping that at a much higher rate. Embiid just not having – they're not having the same success. So Embiid and also Yad, he has 40-plus points in back-to-back games against Jokic and the Denver Nuggets. Mm. So I think you also can consider that as well. He's the clear favorite to me now. Yeah, me as well. I mean, right now he's averaging like what thirty six and twelve, 30, just yeah, thirty five outrageous and half, numbers. Yeah. And I mean, uh, you know, whenever and and just even in a game sake, when you're outpacing any game that Wilt Chamberlain ever scored in as a Sixer, you're doing something right. right. So I mean, uh, I think yes, I think he is uh, above and beyond right now the MVP front runner. I know the odds changed a bunch last yeah. night on the DraftKings book, at least. Uh, I think another guy to look out for is uh, Shea Gillis out. Gilgis Alexander, I brought him up earlier. Uh, he's been doing great things. I don't think he's going to be able to pace what uh, Embiid is doing. I don't think he's even averaging a double-double right now. So uh, Embiid clearly leading that category for me. Uh, I think one thing, one criticism, I'm he, he gets to the line just so much. And mm-hmm. I think people kind of dock that down a little bit. It kind of feels like a James Harden-esque, like, oh, he's getting 40 points because he's going to the free throw line 15 to 20 times a game. Uh, I think if he kind of tones that down a little I don't think he will. But if he does, I think he can really stretch that lead out. So before the season, I, I took a deep dive into trying to figure out who – uh, according to history, would win the MVP this season. And the criteria I found was 16 of the last 17 MVPs have led their team in scoring by at least five points per game. Now, Curry was the only outlier. 43 of the last 44 made the playoffs the year before they won the award. Uh, Steve Nash in 2005, the only outlier. Since 1999, every winner has either been the reigning winner 
or never won it before. Obviously, Embiid won it last year. Um, and then 17 of the last 18 MVPs either were first or second team All-NBA the year before they won. D. Rose, the only outlier. So meeting that criteria, it left Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, or Joel Embiid. And I ended up choosing Tatum because I think he was going to have a big impact with that new group they got. Uh, But Embiid meets the history criteria, Mm. and he has met the criteria this year as well. As you said, averaging 30-plus a a night, uh, 12-plus rebounds a night, that is incredible. And um, he is by far one of the most valuable players to their team. Um, Really, you know, you can throw in LeBron and other guys like that. But um, to their team, Joel Embiid makes a huge impact every night. And a performance like that, a historic performance, uh, even elevates that even more. So I I think right now he's the clear favorite for this. Um, And I I, I don't see how he loses it unless, you know, he gets injured. uh, It is is important to note, though, um, he has missed – uh, a certain amount of games this year, and he can only miss eight more games um, before he is deemed ineligible because of the new rules this year in the NBA. You have to play at least 65 games to meet the criteria for postseason awards or end-of-the-year awards, I should say. Um, so if he doesn't sit out for eight more games, he's fine, and I think he will, will win it, and I think last night um, helped both that. Now, let's go to Carl Anthony Towns. Um, last night he had 58 points heading into the fourth quarter, but finished the game with four points on two of ten shooting. Uh, Timberwolves coach Chris Finch labeled the end of the game as immature play, um, kind of hinting that they were just feeding him the ball, kind of like it was something on the you know the streets on a street court game. Um, is chasing stats like Towns was last night in a sense? I know he had the hot hand, and naturally you want to feed that. Um, but at times last night, it kind of felt like he was just forcing shots and chasing stats. Is that a bad look for the NBA? To me, it just is never a good look when you've got a guy trying to force plays like Towns was last night. Uh, and you know, to a degree, I understand it. You're having a you know a huge night, like a monumental night. Um, but in a close game, you just can't do it. If they're up 15, 20 points, I get it. It's a close game, and it's especially bad when your team loses the game. Yeah. Especially when you lose to a team like Charlotte. Charlotte's not a good basketball no. team, plain and simple. The the Timberwolves, as good as they've been playing, should not be losing to the Charlotte Hornets. No. So, if you continue to play like you were, I don't I don't understand what you know. You probably win the game. You pull away and win the game. You're that good a team. Unfortunately, they I don't know that they just decided to start forcing it and comes back to bite him that's a that's a really horrible loss yeah. um mm. interesting uh, phil Mackey of score north minnesota sports on twitter posted this stat and i thought it was just kind of insane to, to think about towns is only the fifth fifth 60 point scores of 34 since 1994 to end up losing a game that they had 60 points in uh, he's also just the third 60 point score out of those same 34 to finish with a plus minus of zero or worse mm. in the mm. game he's only the second to turn the ball over seven or more times in that game. So he sets records on one hand for a good reason, yeah. on one hand for a very, very bad one. Yeah, and I mean, these these guys, his teammates have to notice when like the hot hand gets cold because, I mean, that, that fourth quarter was just abysmal. I think he shot like two for ten from the floor. Like you said, forcing yeah. those shots doesn't help that either, but uh, you really got to pass the ball around. I mean, I know like Anthony Edwards had zero points at halftime. I remember seeing that. I don't think anybody had more than seven uh, at the half besides – town so uh yes i do think uh chasing stats is pretty bad i mean uh first thing that came to mind for me at least was uh that mvp year from westbrook whenever he was just chasing that triple double average uh and we saw the result from his team it 
didn't result in anything. Uh, yeah, I mean, the numbers look great on paper. I mean, he's the first person to do it since, what, Oscar Robertson or somebody like that. Uh, and then you go out and lose. And I, I don't think that's a winning thing. I think, you know, basketball is a team sport. So, like, just trying to feed somebody, uh, get them, boost, boost their numbers, uh, it's just not winning brand basketball to me. Yeah, look, I think chasing stats is a bad look. Uh, no way around it. And I think um, in this, this day and age, people have been so consumed and just mesmerized by the, the words triple-double or double-double yeah. or all these just ridiculous malarkey things. I, I get it's impressive to have 10 rebounds, 10 assists, multiple points. It's impressive. But that should not be a stat that is like an achievable thing. Like every night I'm trying to go into a game trying to get a triple-double. That's not what it's about. Your impact, if you're getting triple-doubles, should just be because that's how you naturally play. And a lot of players do that. I'm not saying that players go into the game knowing i got to get a triple-double tonight. just naturally happens if you're that good. And I think Westbrook, for the most part during that time, was just natural because he was so just, I mean, crashing the boards, making plays uh, with his, you know, making plays, uh, playmaking, passing, um, and also could score really well. But I think so many times now, we hear we hear the word triple double, and and just kind of totally forget about everything else. Like they could lose the game, but oh man, he had a triple double. Man, they lost the game. You know, maybe by ten points, but he had a triple double. I, I I don't I don't like that, and I never have. And I think it's stuff that caters to the Sports Center and Bleacher Report yes. fans that scroll on Instagram and see oh, uh, Luca had a triple double tonight, and then that's all they see, and that's their opinion of the player without watching the game. Uh, my little soapbox there. Um, but last night down the course, uh, down the stretch of that game, you know, uh, the Timberwolves could not score offensively because they were feeding the guy who had 58 points. In my opinion, you shouldn't look at it as he has 58 points. Run your offense the normal way. You know, get him a shot that usually would work in that offense in that situation. And the Hornets aren't dumb. They know what they're trying to do. That's why on the on the, on the last play, second to last play of the game, they had three guys on Carl Anthony Towns. Leaky Black was the one that knocked it out. Former uh, North Carolina guy, um, and I, I, it was a bad shot, and and it wouldn't have been taken if he didn't have those points. So um, I think it's a bad look, and also can be a losing result. As those numbers you gave are, is ridiculous. Uh, a plus minus under zero. Um, and then seven turnover. Uh, I mean, that's not that's not winning basketball. That just should not happen, yeah, especially no. in a game against a team like Charlotte. If it's a team, you know, it's a little higher up, you know, a playoff team in the Western Conference, maybe okay to a degree. I understand you had a good game, you had sixty points, you you didn't, you lost. It is what mm-hmm. it is. This is a like a bottom of the NBA team. Now they just made a trade today and traded away Rozier. This is not a good basketball team. And plain and simple. And you're on your home floor. <laughs> Just to make it even worse, you're on your home floor. All right, real quick, I'll, I'll pose this question. I know I didn't put it on the, the list, but um, which one was more impressive? Joel Embiid scoring 70, really cool. Um, and obviously we expect that from But Carl Anthony Towns putting up 62 is something that is kind of surprising. Um, in, in my opinion, at least, I've, I never thought he'd get over 40, really. Mm-hmm. Um which one was more impressive, Joe Embiid or Carl Anthony Towns? I still think it's Embiid for me. Um, I, I think the Towns one is impressive for more than one reason now, now that we look back on it. 
But I also think it could have been more impressive if he just they played the fourth quarter like they had the rest of the game. We'd mm-hmm. probably be looking at a 70-point effort, perhaps, out of Carl Anthony Towns today, and then I would lean that way. But the way that game ended, it just is not as impressive to me. Yeah, Embiid all the way for me. Because, I mean, if you put together that full performance, I mean, he still had 18 rebounds, which is still a crazy amount for anybody to have along with the 70 points. So still leaning on that. Uh, and, yeah, just the way that you explained it, I mean, just the absolute fallout and uh, just lapse of game plan that ended that ball game and ended up with Minnesota losing uh, kind of sums that up for me. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you all here. I'll go in beat as well. I think 70 and 18 is uh, – I mean, it almost sounds like it's a glitch or uh, something that was done in 2K. Yeah. But I do say um, Carl Anthony Towns put up that number is something I never thought would be uttered. Um, I'm not a hater of him, but I'm also not his biggest fan either. Um, but I, what he did last night was really impressive up until the fourth quarter, so we'll leave it at that. And when we come back, we'll talk about the NBA trade deadline inching closer. How big of a splash play could the Lakers possibly make? Stay right here on Overtime. Ever been the coach who realized the team's gear just wasn't up to par? Well, if I'm being honest, that was me. Just a downright irresponsible and plain bad coach. Then, SM Athletics changed the game. I want you to picture this. I walk into their store, a coach with a vision. SM Athletics didn't just see a coach. They saw a team's potential. And they delivered custom uniforms so striking. Our team's spirit soared. From cutting edge apparel to top-notch equipment, SM Athletics transformed our presence. No more unreliable online orders or envying the other team's style. SM Athletics stands for quality, design, and on-time delivery every time. Coaches, elevate your team with SM Athletics. Call 865. 966-3434 or visit smathletics.com. Get the best for your team. Delivered right and on time. So, elevate your team's game by contacting SM Athletics today. A brand built in Tennessee and born from the love of the game. Inward Half revolutionizes golfing comfort. Crafted by a former pro and dedicated enthusiast just like you, our luxury performance wear guarantees you stay cool and comfortable through every swing and every day we're not just a brand we've set out to create a lifestyle for those who understand that impeccable style and premium performance are a hole in one enjoy the walk-in with inward half i'm Smokey bear and i made an assistant to help you out because only you can prevent wildfires hey assistant Smokey bear call me papa bear because i'm grilling up dinner <laughs> do you get it yes Good job. So, what should I do with all these coals? Don't just toss them out. Put them in a metal container because those embers can start a wildfire. I understand. The stakes are high. Ha, 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 ha. Learn more at SmokeyBear.com. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. North Knox Siding and Windows, Knoxville's number one choice for all your home exterior projects. Folks, if you've got old siding, windows, paint peeling, looks crooked, damaged, that sort of thing, don't put off getting that thing fixed anymore. You don't want to be that guy in the neighborhood. Call North Knox Siding and Windows. They can take care of anything on the outside of your house. You want to replace an entry door, a patio door, whatever. They could do that. If you need new gutters or gutter protection, they do that too. You want to install a handrail, columns on the outside of your house, new shutters, garage doors, stonework. They do it all. If you need a new roof, these guys are the best in the business. Call them today. You can set up a free estimate. won't cost you a dime. 865 865- 
689-0505. You can go online to northknocksidingandwindows.com to look at pictures of their work and find out more about North Knox Siding and Windows. Tell them Fan Run sent you North Knox Siding and Windows. Welcome back in here on Overtime. First day back of school for uh, us guys, uh, guys in school here at Tennessee. And there was a teacher during the break. We saw a video. We'll get a quick laugh out of this. Um, there is a, a teacher. It's going viral on TikTok uh, for um, you people out there that want to go see it. Um, a teacher blasting welcome to the jungle during the syllabus. That seems to be a mathematics class. And you've got people getting out of their seats and leaving because they're uh, so shocked that that's actually going on. Um, that did not happen in any of my classes um, today. But um, happy first day back, everyone. And um, happy to be back here in the studio. Now let's get into the NBA trade, de- trade deadline, which is inching closer. And uh, the Lakers are a team that this time last year, exactly one year ago today, um, on January 23rd, 2023, the Lakers began to totally reformat their team on the fly. Um, they they made that trade uh, for Rui Hachimura, sending Kendrick Nunn over there. Um, and and I, I think we could very well see this again this year because one year later, right now, the Lakers are in a very similar situation, hovering over 500 at 22 and 22, and ninth place in the Western Conference. Uh, Lakers coach Darvin Ham said Sunday that LA absolutely has enough to compete for a championship already with their stars and Anthony Davis and LeBron James. So as long as their teammates play their best around them, it should be enough. But is it enough? And We'll start with this. Should the Lakers stay put with the roster they currently have? No. They have to make a move, right? I mean, you don't really have a choice. You're kind of floundering a little bit now. You're in a play-in spot at 22 and 22, ninth in the Western Conference, and you're watching teams pull away from you. Phoenix has jumped out of the play-in now into an actual just playoff spot. They're four games ahead of you. You've got several teams like New Orleans is three and a half games ahead of you now. Sacramento is three games ahead, and and a Mavericks team that I – think has not played all that well this year is two and a half games ahead of you mm. you're even at 500 you need to make a splash I mean you've had problems with injuries we, we know what Rui Hachimura has dealt with this mm. season for them you got guys that I think maybe they expected a little bit more out of Austin Reeves comes to mind as a guy yeah. I thought was going to do a little bit more uh, and then you have guys <clears throat> who've just been hit or miss I and mean, they trade for D'Angelo Russell and he has been good but then there's times where he disappears and, yeah. and you don't get what you need out of him so with that you know, and LeBron and AD being your only constant pieces, uh, you need to go do something. You need some kind of major production here, uh, whether you know whether that be a, a, just one more producer or whether you get a few guys that can come off the bench and make something happen. You need to do something. Yeah, especially I know LeBron is out tonight against the Clippers. Uh, I think that kind of uh, sums up how this season has gone. I mean, you, you've got all these big-time guys that Rob Polinka worked so hard uh, to staple down and corral uh with the lakers and you're just not seeing production i mean uh Rui's still coming off the bench uh providing a spark when he can but it hasn't been consistent torian prince is not a guy that you really want to rely on uh and like you said d'angelo russell has just been you know we saw the highs of highs the other day against the portland trailblazers he's dropping like 30 plus but it's the trailblazers you're supposed to do that against them uh and he's just not showing up in big time uh games and 
personally, I, th- I think it is time to move on from D'Lo. This is his second stint here. Uh, I don't think he's really doing too much to impress. I'm, he's the third leading scorer, but it, it like the, the bad outweighs the good, in my opinion, on that. Uh, so the Lakers right now and this season, if there could be a, a word or a phrase that could describe it, I think it'd be two ends. It'd be inconsistent and injured. Um, I really liked what they did this offseason. I loved yeah. adding Gabe Vincent. I loved adding Tarin Prince, who shot 39% yeah. from three last season. I liked it. I, I think getting Jackson Hayes and Cam Reddish might not have been the splash plays, but you know they can they can provide minutes during the regular season. And Reddish has had a really good time this mm-hmm. year. Um, I like their roster as it is. Um, I think last year, once you made all these trades – they were able to put together a great run. The problem is they've been inconsistent and haven't been on the court all at once. Gabe Vincent's barely played. Um, Jared Vanderbilt missed a majority of the, the first half yep. of the season. Uh, Tarn Prince has been in and out of the lineup. Rehachi Moore has been in and out of the lineup. Uh, they've been injured, uh, injury riddled. And I think it's hard to grasp what they really have when you're having guys in and out of the lineup and don't really know what you have. Um, I, I think... This team very well could be just fine with this group. And keep in mind, they only have 14 rosters on the or 14 players on the roster right now. Could be a candidate for a buyout player as well. They could add someone. So if they were to stay put and run it back with a group that did really well last year um, and added a couple really key pieces, I could I, I still could see them being just fine. Now, obviously, um, January and February is the hardest time in the win in the NBA because everyone's got the All-Star game looming and All-Star weekend, that break. And then really after the break is when everything kind of turns back up um, and that playoff push really starts. Um, But right now is a really important decision time for them because they've got to make a decision. Do we want to roll this thing out or do we want to make a trade? So um, I would not be uh, opposed to staying put. I like D'Angelo Russell, but he's too inconsistent. Over the last five games, he's put up 39, 36, 32. Um, he's been great. But he also was really bad, and that's why he was on the bench and like their 10th, 11th man for a couple weeks. So they just been too inconsistent for me, and it might have been because of how hard they tried to push for the play-in tournament. Um, I know that was one of LeBron's, you know, I guess – uh, achievements he wanted to add, even though the in-season tournament doesn't really necessarily mean mm. much. But I guess the inaugural in-season tournament for LeBron to win that helps his resume in a sense, maybe in 20 years. But um, <laughs> back to staying put, I think they would be fine if they did. But I, I also understand them making a move. So now let's move into what kind of moves they could make. So should the Lakers shake it up with a splash move, adding a guy like Zach Levine, uh, DeJounte Murray, or split the differences and add a couple pieces like a Bruce Brown, uh, Tyus Jones from Washington, Dennis Schroeder shown some interest, uh, who played for him last year now with the Raptors. Shake it up or split the difference? Oh, I think you could do both, theoretically. You just got to pick one. Um, if you do make a splash, you got to get somebody big. Um, but you also can't mortgage the future. And I think a good example of this is the Suns because they wanted to make a splash to go get Kevin Durant and then to go get Bradley Beal. But if you look at their bench guys and their guys besides those big three, not great. I mean, you have Yusuf Nurkic, who's okay. Grayson Allen's been a nice surprise. Their bench players are not good. It's just it's not a great bench. 
Um, you mortgage the future in Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, and others that that were on that team that were the makings of not maybe not a dynasty, but a team that was going to get there at least a few more times. Yeah. If the Lakers mortgage a future here and trade away guys that are going to be there in several years, I mean they could end up in the same spot where your window immediately gets way shorter. Yeah. I mean yeah. way shorter. It's a few years tops, which is where the Suns are at right now. But if you if you split the difference, you got to get guys that are going to get you good minutes. You can't yep. just trade for you know guys that are just going to take up time on the court that are not going to produce. So you need to get guys that are going to go out there and help AD, help LeBron, help D'Lo, and produce and win you ball games. Because if you trade, and you still don't win ball games. You're right back where you started. Yeah, uh, I think that kind of calls for why, I, as a Lakers fan, I kind of do want a big splash move because I mean, uh, you're trading in minutes for production. I mean, there's guys coming off the bench. I mean, there's like a good like 10-man rotation that they've got going on right now. Probably going to be uh, about that tonight without LeBron. So uh, just as for production-wise, I mean, we're not getting like – we're getting we're seeing 30 minutes out of Torian Prince for 10 points. I mean, on the offensive side of the ball, that's not really a good trade-off for me at least. Uh, so I think a guy that I really would like to see is DeJounte Murray out of uh, Atlanta. I mean, he's a guy that can bring in 21-plus – uh, every night as well as he's averaging five boards five assists as well so I mean uh, you're getting a guy that can uh, hold down like a two or a three uh, you know at that point you can get LeBron bringing up the ball if you really want to do get rid of D'Lo you can rely on him uh, he's been known to run as a point forward so uh, that's kind of how I'm taking it I'm, I'm tired of like the small moves like Rui I think uh, in comparison, was kind of a smaller move, like a role player guy. But I'd love to see a guy come in and have like an instant impact. My answer would be, what is the trade off? So if you go get a Zach Levine or Dejounte Murray, what are you giving up? Because I think what and you mentioned the Suns, Dawson. I think what the Suns messed up with is they gave away their whole bench and what made them really productive in the seventh, eighth, or you know, sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth men on that roster. You take that away for a guy that Kevin Durant is very good, no debating that. Um, but I think production and your bench depth come playoff time is very important. Look at the Nuggets last year. They had a mix of guys that could go win them games and get buckets and Jamal Murray and Jokic. And they had nice complementary pieces that play really good defense and that and they, they can make plays offensively as well. They're lengthy, good defenders. I thought it was great. Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Michael Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon. And then on your bench, you had Bruce Brown, Christian Braun, um, and then, uh, let's see, Jeff Green as well. Reggie Jackson came in and out. But you had guys that could go play valuable minutes. And if you give away a lot of your bench production to go get one guy, then you're – lineups shrinks and then you're going to be having guys like Bismack Biombo playing in 2024 which should not happen thank gosh the Grizzlies got rid of him um <laughs> but what I'm saying is here I think the having more and having a longer bench depth is what wins you games in the playoffs I don't necessarily think they should make a splash move I think Levine's really nice DeJounte Murray's really nice um it also questions how they would fit in with Anthony Davis needing the ball, LeBron James needing the ball. Um, I, I, you know, I guess Levine could play off. I, I, I just, I have a hard time seeing how that fits. And the same reason I asked with the Suns, how does this fit adding in another guy in Bradley Beal when you could have put that money to some bench depth? I mean, yeah. Now, to be fair, it's starting to work. So you may mm-hmm. eat my words on that. In a few weeks, the Suns are, I think, are up to sixth in the West. They're winners of six in a row. I want to say now at this point. So 
you know, maybe I'll, I'll eat my words and, and they'll oh, go on no, a playoff I, run and, yeah. and, you know, I'll be no, wrong. And, but I, I agree with you. I'd rather have role players and guys off the bench. Like Cam Johnson was sixth man of the year. The year yeah. they went to the finals, he won sixth man of the year. So you got to have guys like that. He was a key contributor in a playoff run, and other teams have had that happen too. I think Atlanta has suffered from that as well. After signing DeJounte Murray, they had to get cheap a little bit on their bench players, uh, and it hasn't worked for them. They're not a very no. good team this year. So you see it all over the league. If you go for the splash and it doesn't work and your bench isn't good, you're not going to succeed. Yeah, and I, I wasn't asking you to eat your words because I doubled down on it too. I, <laughs> I, I don't think the Suns – are you know you know respectively? I I don't think the Suns are a team that go past the second round. Oh, I fully agree. Um, I think they're too fully invested on three guys, and that doesn't win you in the playoffs. Uh, I mean, what are those guys going to play forty minutes a night for three straight, four straight series? That doesn't work. Um, and it's good enough to win you a series, but that's not the goal if you're making that big of an acquisition. Um, so I like Levine, I like Murray. I just don't know if that fits long term in the playoffs and. And last year, it wasn't like they were missing a, a, one more guy. It's just they were missing a guy that could defend the pick and roll um, in a big. And I think Christian Wood could be that possibly um, if Anthony Davis is in the game, give a little help. Um, I, I don't think it's a splash move. I think I think Tyus Jones would be a guy that'd be very nice, a very complimentary piece for them um, if they decide to move on from D'Lo. Um, Tyus Jones is a really good playmaker. He's a pass first guy, liability defensively. Um, but I think he'd play well off of a LeBron James as a shooter and also by just making that offense work. Did a really good job with the Grizzlies for two years. Um, Bruce Brown, if you're able to get him, I know his contract's high, um, but it really would match what D'Angelo Russell's is. Um, so if you're able to move off uh, of Russell in exchange for Brown, I could see that working too. Um, my biggest thing is getting the best 10 guys you can possibly get. And I don't think by getting that splash move – and a Levine or Murray is going to do that. I know I talk about the Suns a lot, but Grayson Allen has started to draw some trade interest. Would you consider that, and, and you as a Lakers fan, would you consider that to be a move they could make that maybe is not as big a splash but provides you some production? I think it could provide some production. I mean, Grayson Allen, like you said, is kind of a surprise. I mean, I'm not sure of his like points numbers if you know that off the off rip. It's, like, t- it's 10, in the 15. it's in the teens, I think. Now yeah. that he's had a few high twenty point nights. Yeah. Over the past who, who would you probably project them like if they were to investigate that? Who would you like for them to go I after? I mean, I don't think it would take very much for them to get Grayson Allen. I, mm-hmm. I really don't. Um, what you mean, like what the Lakers would have to give up for for Allen? Or yeah, what what would you say? I don't know. I mean, it can't be much because Allen hasn't had a, a long stretch of success. Yeah. It can't be all that much. I mean, you'd probably ask for you know another point guard maybe because right. he has been kind of filling that point guard role mm-hmm. to let the other three work in their respective positions. Yeah. But So maybe you ask for a point guard, but I can't imagine they'd ask for anybody you know in the starting five right now. Yeah, I, I don't I, think so. Yeah. I just don't – if they were to trade for a point guard, there's no way in hell they're asking for D'Angelo Russell. No, 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 right. no absolutely not. No. Um, and also, I mean, what draft pick are they pulling out of their ass? Twenty fifty five. I mean, <laughs> at this point, yeah, yeah probably. Um, <laughs> I like Grayson Allen a lot. I think the Bucks really miss him right now, especially their his defense. Um, and he he shoots the ball at a really good clip as well. Um, I, I just think the you know the Suns could move off that contract and get two guys um, with that. I know it's not very high, um, but with how thin that roster is and depth. You'll take whatever you can get. I don't know what they'd be able to get for him though, outside of a like a Jalen Hood Shafino and a pick or two. Right, yeah. Um, and I, they're not wanting Hood Shafino to be their point guard in the playoffs. No, Rookies no. don't work. So um, it'll be interesting. I, I think that um, the Lakers very well could stay with what they got and just hope it works. 
Um, but I think if they're going to make a move, it'd be just split the difference, get a couple guys that can make your 10 guys better than what you've got right now. And I think they have that opportunity um, with a guy like Tyus Jones, Dennis Schroeder, uh, Bruce Brown. Um, so real quick, let's move over uh, to some news that came out today uh, regarding the Milwaukee Bucks, a surprise to many. Uh, that the Milwaukee Bucks are moving on from their current head coach. Uh, and I'm trying to find this at the moment. Um, let's see. Give me one second here. Um, and a, a very surprise deal, by the way, because they just signed Damian or made that trade for Damian Lillard. Yep. Um, here we go. Uh, so Adrian Griffith, uh, gone from the Milwaukee Bucks now. Surprise decision. Uh, Sham Sharania. Who works for the athletic was inside on the on the report uh, and quotes. Uh, it was born out of months of underwhelming play with internal concerns growing about the severe decline of their once elite defense, the flawed use of newcomer Damian Lillard alongside franchise corner or centerpiece Giannis Antetokounmpo, and a widespread fear that this group, which was widely expected to contend for a title, was likely to fall short if Milwaukee stood pat. Um, so that is the full report. When it first came out, I was kind of thinking, uh, you know, a Udoka situation with the Celtics. Yeah. I mean, it kind of yeah. out of nowhere. I haven't heard anything out of Milwaukee. I know uh, they're very coveted over there about what gets out in a small market place. But um, it was a big surprise to me. Um, your reactions, guys, uh, to hearing this news? It's weird uh, to me. It was just, you know, it kind of like that. I didn't even think about that Celtics connection. It just kind of felt like. Really? I mean, you know, um, yeah. they're second in the East right now, 30 and 13. It's not a bad record. It's about where they were last season. You know, obviously trailing the Boston Celtics in the Eastern Conference right now, but you're ahead of the Sixers still. Uh, I don't know what else you could have asked for in terms of that. Now, the defense did go down 22nd in the NBA in defensive efficiency for a team that was so notorious for defense mm. uh, is a steep decline. I think they're missing Grayson Allen in that regard. I think they're missing Drew Holiday yes. in that regard Thank you. in a huge way. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, so I don't think that helps. Uh, this is just, the timing for me is the weirdest part of this. I mean, yeah. You're only halfway into the season. You're second in the East. You're sitting in a really great spot. You're not trailing the Celtics by ten games. It's three and a half. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think it also is is helped by the fact that the Bucks lost to the Miami Heat in the first round of the playoffs last yeah. year. If they had gone further in that playoffs, I think you maybe see him stick around for a little bit longer. But the expectation is higher now after that early postseason exit. I just, to me, and now I also don't know who you go get to replace him in the middle of a season that's going to work yeah. out. Yeah. I mean, my biggest, like, head-scratcher of it all is, I mean, this is this, uh, this is, uh, geez, Griffin's first year as a head coach. This is his first season ever, and I mean, at a 30-13 clip, I mean, you're on pace to, you know, do really good numbers comparatively to first-year head coaches. So, uh, yeah, I get the defensive decline, but... Uh, just of course it being a first year head coach it kind of makes me you know question if it was like a Udoka type deal uh, or something along those lines just because that seems just like a really quick trigger to pull especially at the uh, you know you're second in the east against or behind probably the best team in the NBA right now it's just an odd odd timing behind it and let's keep in mind right before the season started uh, Terry Stotts who was the coach for the Portland Trailblazers for a while and coached Damian Lillard. He came over and was on the assistant staff with this Bucks team, and he unexpectedly stepped in, or stepped down right before the season due to what was reported as an altercation with Griffin. So uh, it 
you know, I, I'm not saying that he had a character problem or anything like that. Um, it's just a very uh, weird timing. And, you know, when it first came out, I immediately thought Udoka, because last year that came out of nowhere as well. Um, but when the trade happened for Damian Lillard, I uh, infamously said that the Bucks got worse. And a lot of people, um, you know, clown me for it, said that was ridiculous. But I thought their defense was going to take such a big hit, I think they'd decline as a team. And obviously, so far this season, as you meant, second or 22nd in defensive efficiency. The loss of Drew Holiday and Grayson Allen, your two go-to guys for perimeter defense, gone. In an NBA three-point league now where perimeter defense is as coveted as ever, and you lose a guy in Drew Holiday who's been an all-defensive guy multiple times in his career, a top-ten defender at that position uh, for multiple seasons, I didn't understand that. And I, I get Damian Lillard is a very polarizing player that can hit so many big shots. Great shooter, great player. I'm not debating that. But I don't think the Bucks necessarily needed to make that trade. Um, and I thought they got worse. And now you see this coming out today that they don't think that their defense is good enough and has fallen from an elite-level defense just a couple of years ago. In the playoffs, you've got to be able to have good defense. Damian Lillard's not playing defense at this point in his career. So I'm not surprised that that was one of the, the reasons why. Um, Doc Rivers has been a guy that they've talked about, could possibly fill that role. I don't know if he's going to do any better. Um, I, I, I guess he's just the, the most famous name that's out there right now. Also, a midseason hire is already a little awkward. Right. Um, I don't know where the Bucks go with this. Uh, I know they uh, have hired their, their, uh, their assistant as an interim right now uh, just for the time being, but I obviously don't think that's what they will uh, continue with. Um, Doc Rivers, uh, first thoughts on that. I mean, he's got the pedigree to coach in the playoffs. So if you if you need a guy to come, you know, run the bench and coach in a postseason, I think that's definitely the guy. I think also if you're going to have a team that has a few stars like this, a few number one guys per se, I think he's a good option, especially when he had his time in L.A. Mm-hmm. Um, and his time in Boston as well. I think it's huge if you have a team with Lillard and Giannis uh, and a couple of those other guys there. Uh, but other than that, I mean, how much better is he going to do? They won 30 of their first 43 games. You're on pace to win almost 60 games, which in the NBA is good enough for a two-seed. Usually you're going to play a, a play-in team at home in the first round. I don't I don't understand it, and I don't know where they go. Yeah, I mean, Doc Rivers, of course, like he said, that's probably the premier guy for just about anybody in a coaching search since he is on the table. Uh, and like you said, Dawson, he does have uh, the pedigree and the proof behind the pudding. So, I mean – I don't, I don't think an in-season hire is, like, the thing that you want to do. I mean, you've already established those relationships with that coaching staff. I think those guys are going to be trustworthy of who they put at the top. I think they stick with them. But uh, long-term, I mean, yeah, there's really not too many people to turn to. Yeah, lots of table here going forward for the Bucks. When we come back, we'll talk about the Eagles moving on from Brian Johnson to wrap up this episode of Overtime. Stay right here. Are you ready to flash that dazzling smile? Well, look no further than Knoxville Smiles. Our experienced team is here to give you the care and attention you deserve. From routine checkups and cleanings to advanced cosmetic treatments, we've got you covered. Say goodbye to dental worries and hello to a confident, radiant smile. Don't wait any longer. Schedule your appointment today and unlock the power of your smile. Call 865-539-1776 to schedule your appointment today or just visit KnoxvilleSmiles.com. 
Are you tired of looking at that piece of furniture that is wore down but you don't want to get rid of it? Go see our friends at Sun Upholstery and Fabric. Locally and family owned and operated with over 67 years of combined experience. Located at 8913 Oak Ridge Highway. Give them a call today at 865-237-3272 or visit them online at fabricsun.com. That's fabricsun.com and be sure to tell Stan that you heard about him right here on Fan Run Radio. Are you ready to make your dream home a reality? Hi, I'm Bo Kregner, and here at the Kregner Group at Realty Executives, we know that finding the perfect home is more than just a transaction. It's about finding your sanctuary, your future, your happiness. Our team is dedicated to guiding you every step of the way, ensuring a smooth and stress-free journey towards home ownership. Whether you're buying, selling, or investing, we're here to help. Call me anytime at 865-742-1035 or just visit us online at bonoshouses.com. Rogers Utility Solutions, a division of Rogers Hydrant Service, is a family-run Tennessee-based business since 2015. Now serving municipalities and residences in 14 states, Rogers offers fire hydrant flow testing, distribution flushing, and maintenance programs in accordance with ISO standards. Rogers also offers hydrant repair and installation, and they have the capability of repairing hydrants under pressure. For more information on Rogers new sewer maintenance program complete with mapping cleaning and camera inspecting visit rogershydrantservice.com is your home's exterior in need of a makeover if so it's time to call north knox siding and windows transform your home's curb appeal with premium siding options from classic to modern styles they've got something to suit every taste upgrade to energy efficient windows that'll keep your home comfortable all year round while saving you money on your energy bills north knox siding and windows Get ready to fall in love with your home all over again. Online at NorthKnoxSidingAndWindows.com. Are you ready to elevate your driving experience? Then you need to head over to your hometown dealership, Parkside Kia, home of the lifetime warranty. Discover the latest Kia cars and SUVs where technology meets style. Our friendly staff is here to make your car buying experience a breeze. Don't wait. Visit Parkside Kia today and drive home in the Kia of your dreams. Check them out online at ParksideKia.com and visit their showroom at 9929 Parkside Drive. Parkside Kia, where your journey begins. Wrapping up a great episode of Overtime on this Tuesday night. Thank you so much for joining us, whether it be via podcast or live. We always appreciate our listeners. Um, Let's now get into, right before we end the show here, with the Eagles moving on from Brian Johnson. Uh, The Philadelphia Eagles are parting ways with the offensive coordinator who took over for Shane Steichen once he left for Indianapolis last season. The Eagles, who once held a top ten offensive, uh, one gosh bless, uh, once held a top ten offense in DVOA midway through the season, took a significant dip midway through the season, um, and now uh, he has been let go. With the Eagles likely to stay with Nick Sirianni, is, is Brian Johnson in a sense here a scapegoat for the failure of the second half of the season? It seems that way. Um, the offense certainly took a dip. We've, we've talked about it a number of times so how their offense just dropped so hard in production in the middle of the year and just became so dysfunctional at the end of the year and we really saw it in that wild card round game in Tampa Bay uh, they had some weird play calling I'll give them that um, just weird 
screens, draw plays, just mm-hmm. not gaining a lot of yards, especially behind the sticks. It just was so odd after what they did last year. Um, but, yeah, it feels like they, they fired Brian Johnson. Now they're going to see how it goes next year uh, with Sirianni still. Now the problem is if it stays this way, if they're still dysfunctional next year, you maybe you fired the wrong guy. I think we've said that already a couple times yeah, for, yeah, for Philadelphia. Yeah. But if they continue to struggle – Sirianni, I, I imagine, is the next under the microscope. It's, his staff is all left. He's the only one left from that staff last year. And, yeah. you know, now he's got to make something happen now, or yeah. you're going to start looking at him next. Yeah, definitely a scapegoat because, I mean, it wasn't only the offensive side that saw a dip. I mean, comparative to last season, we saw a dip on that defense, and it was like one night and day almost uh, just from the productivity and efficiency that that defense held. So, I mean, uh, reading here on ESPN that they're likely to part ways with uh, Sean Desai uh, and Matt Patricia, both both probably likely out the door. So, I mean, uh, adding that onto it, I think those are even more adding onto the pile of scapegoats that could be for Sirianni because, I mean, I, I said it a few weeks ago, it, it felt like – it felt like Sirianni lost the locker room at some point because, yeah. I mean, it, it felt like that team just had no juice at all after Thanksgiving. So, I mean, yeah, definitely agree that this this is definitely a scapegoat. Look, if you're only as good as your assistant coaches are, then you probably shouldn't be coaching in the NFL. Um, you know, last year, uh, Shane Steichen did such a great job with that offense, turned Jalen Hurts into, uh, you know, one of the top quarterbacks in the league and this year we saw a pretty big regression from him uh, Jonathan Gannon your boy in Arizona did a great job last year with them as well you saw a drop off there as well so I, I think that in a sense I think he may have whiffed on his choices this year at coordinator but if you are the head coach then you also should have some blame and have some effect on that as well because if if your coordinators are the lone responsibilities on both sides of the ball, then that means you're not a head coach. You're one of the assistants with your assistants, in my opinion. Right. Um, so, uh, to me, I, I think in a little bit it is a a scapegoat, um, and we'll have to see what they do next year. Look, if they're better and uh, can get this thing going again, then maybe he just made a bad decision with his coordinators after losing two really good ones. Maybe that is, is the case. Um, but – I think right now you have to kind of look at it as, yeah, it's a scapegoat. And um, uh, real quick, before we round out, who should the Eagles pursue for this spot? Oh, man, uh, I wouldn't even know where to start when it comes to coordinators because you can look so many different directions. You yeah. can look to the college level. Um, I know Cliff Kingsbury starting to get mm-hmm. some interest at the offensive coordinator position across the NFL. You could also look at Ben Johnson, but I think he's going to be probably better suited yeah. for a head coaching job at this point. So yeah. beyond that, I don't know. I mean, because – the college level would probably be where I'd go if you want to, you know, keep that offense modern. That's the best place to look is in college. Some of these high-powered offenses, but beyond that, I, mean, I really have no idea after yeah. after the success they had last year. That was exactly my thinking. That Kingsbury, I mean, he, he's got experience in the NFL now. Is it, you know, was it good? Not great, uh, but I, it's. NFL experience nonetheless I, I really do like your point of uh, going down into the college game and uh, seeing who you could pull out of there now who who would you go to at that point I mean most most of those guys in head coaching jobs are liking those top dog spots so I mean I, I don't really see many of those people wavering on it yeah I, I think you know dipping into the college level and also looking around the league for quarterback coaches and offensive analysts I think would be a good idea as well um, obviously, you're not going to get a guy like Ben Johnson or, or the top offensive coordinators around, but 
Um, I, I take a dip into some quarterback coaches, some uh, some other offensive guys for that. All right, that's going to wrap us up here on episode uh, – actually, just on this episode, I should say, of Overtime. For William Patterson, Jace Brown, and Dawson Wise, thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back tomorrow for more Overtime. the coach who realized the team's gear just wasn't up to par well 